This morning, I invite you to open your Bible. We'll be going primarily looking at a text that's found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 16. I want to welcome you. I'm glad that you're here today. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. And so today we want to talk about the beautiful bride of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. I want you to know when you were born again and you became a part of God's family, you were saved not only from your sin, but you're saved to something. You're saved to be involved in his kingdom and you are a part of his church. And that church is God's called people that are living in this world. Paul uh, talks about uh, this in Ephesians chapter 3. It says in Ephesians 3 that he, he gives us an understanding. In chapter 2, when Ephesians 2, when he said, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but listen. In chapter 2, verse 19, but fellow citizens with the saints. Did you know you are fellow citizens? You're citizens with the saints. Citizens of heaven. You're members of God's own household. Think about that. You're part of God's family. Amen. Not only that, you're built on the foundation of the prophets and the, the, the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself, the cornerstone. In him, Jesus, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you're being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. My friends, that is an unbelievable idea. That we are the people of God. That we are being built into a holy temple. And we are made to worship and praise and honor God with our life. You're citizens of heaven. Wow. How would you define a church? How important is church to you? Can you imagine living a Christian life apart from a church? What is the church? What does it mean to be a part of the church? When the Bible speaks about the church, sometimes it speaks about the church globally, universally. But often, most of the time, it's in a local expression. It is a local body of believers who are baptized and gathered and united in the spirit that have covenanted to gather to carry out what God has called us to do. You're walking together in faith and in fellowship and you're centered around the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mark Dever says, a healthy church is a congregation that increasingly reflects God's character. And his character is revealed in his word. Amen. But there's a problem. There's a lot of confusion about what it means to be a part of the church. And there's, there's a lot of, in the current culture, there's a lot of, disregard for the church. There's some who criticize the church. But the church, there's some misunderstanding about the church. And sometimes even in our own language, we betray a misunderstanding. For instance, today you said, I think we'll go to church. 
meaning we're going to go to the church building, right? I even do that sometimes. I'll say to Christy, where are you? she's like, where are you going? I said, I'm going up to church. Well, she knows what I mean. I'm going to the church building. But the church is not a building. Amen. It's a people. It's the people of God. He's called us out. It is not just a place. It's a body. It's not a social club. It is not optional. The church is not. In our culture, there's an increasing culture that ignores the church, not a part of anything. There's no identification with faith, no connection to the church. In our culture, there's what they call the rise of the nuns. There's so many who, who have no connection, no beliefs, no faith. Increasingly, we see it that way. There's a longing for real community. But instead of finding it, they've, in this culture, there's more and more isolation and confusion and loneliness. I think this is caused by a lack of belief, a lack of faith, a lack of understanding, a lack of the work of the Spirit in our life because we've not yielded ourselves to Christ. We have to acknowledge that even in this generation, shallow consumerism is undermining the church. We shop for churches, like we shop for something that we want or meets my needs. I'm looking for a church that has my kind of music, a church that meets my vibe, my values, my family needs, my children's happiness, my social status, people like me, that has style like I like, that matches my politics. That's a misunderstanding of the church of Jesus Christ. There's also distracting materialism. We're wealthy. We have homes and houses and cars. We travel and go and do. But there's all kinds of disorder in our lives. Let me say something real clear. The, so, the church is not a social club. The church is not a country club. The church is not a sorority. And the church is not a fraternity. The church is not an entertainment center. The church is not a show. It is the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not optional. No Christian can say that they love Christ and not love his church. Amen. The problem is, uh, that I see today is that we are AWOL. When it comes to being God's people, God's army, we are AWOL. We are, we are disengaged and we've become spectators and critics. And whenever you're not engaged and you're not serving, you're not using the gifts and you're not plugged in, then you're just a spectator. And let me tell you what spectators do. Spectators might pay the price for admission, but they sit on the sidelines and they criticize. Amen. But that's much different than the people that are on the field playing. And you are called to be the people of God. You are gifted to serve him. 
He bought his church with his own precious blood. And you are precious to him. You are the pearl of great price. The Lord has described us as the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the temple of the Lord, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the people of God. We're followers of Jesus Christ. And Christ is working in and through his church to carry out his kingdom purposes. Jesus values his church. Yes, are there problems in the church? Of course there are. Are there failures in the church? Yes, there are. Does the church have issues? Of course we do. But the difference is, when you're in the church and we know that we're following Christ, and when we do fail, then we feel convicted about it, and we have a desire to please him and do things and live righteously and make things right in this broken world. That's our heart's desire. So when we do fail, we confess, we forsake, we run back to him and say, God, we want to do this better and we love people. But at least you're on the right side of fighting for righteousness. In this post-COVID world, 70% who only about 70% have returned among evangelicals. Volunteerism is an all-time low, and many see the church as optional. Let me tell you, something worse than criticizing the church is ignoring it. Amen. We've lost our identity and purpose in understanding the mission of the church. Well, today, I want us to look together and go back to the basics. And do you have your Bible? Look with me, if you will, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 16. Matthew's Gospel Chapter number 16 is where we're at today, and I want us to look, look at a very familiar passage of Scripture and I ask you to listen to it with fresh ears today. In verse number 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who's in heaven. And I also say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Jesus takes his disciples away from the Sea of Galilee region, and as he takes them away, he takes them in a sense of retreat to the northern edges of Israel, right at the base of Mount Hermon, to a place called Caesarea Philippi, named after Philip, Caesar. It's actually an ancient place called Banias. Some say that the name predated that was the word Panias. 
It is a place where it is absolutely beautiful. I've been there a few times. It's like a rainforest with waterfalls and streams and flowers and vegetation. It's cool. And at the base of Mount Harmon, water flows together as the, for the headwaters of the Jordan River. It is a beautiful place. It's a place of ancient worship sites. The worship of panoply of Greek and Roman gods, of pagan gods in the sheer rock face there at the base of the mountain. There are niches that are cut out into the rock and pilgrims come to worship the pagan idols in the Greek culture. This part of Israel was filled with many Greek-speaking people and more of a Greek culture. And it's the middle of all of this worship of these pagan gods, Jesus asked a question. Who do men say that I am? I think that's an important question, don't you? And they answered, John the Baptist, some people say, you're like John the Baptist. You preach repentance and, and you don't mind taking them on. Say, turn from sin, turn to God. And you preach repentance and baptism. Others say you're like Elijah. You have miraculous power like no one's ever seen. Elijah was a man of power and miracles and holy boldness and anointed with the Holy Spirit and courageous and a father of prophets. That's who you are. We see the gift, the anointing of Elijah on you. Others say you're like Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a great prophet. I think we've heard about Jeremiah recently. A weeping prophet. And as Jay reminded us, a praying prophet. Amen. Man of great faith called the nation to turn in faith to God. He said, you're like Jeremiah. And I think they had other names, but the disciples gave them good ones. But he asked the question again, but this time differently. But who do you say that I am? Now that's a very important question. And Peter pipes up, you are the Messiah. The Christ, the son of the living God, that's who you are. He says, and, and Peter just was moved. And he says, that's who you are. And the Lord says, he gives a beatitude to him. He gives a blessing to him. He said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. Peter, you didn't figure this out because you're smarter than the others. You didn't figure this out because you've studied more. You're not so insightful. You're not deserving and have any praise because the truth of the matter is no man can come to confess that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God unless the Spirit of God is drawing and working in him. Amen. And you've been blessed by Almighty God that you come to this place of confessing that I am the Messiah. By the way, when you've been born again, it's not you figuring it out and being smart. It's God did a work in you. Opening your heart and your mind to know who Christ is and to turn to him in faith. In the book of Matthew, chapter number 11, in verse number 25. 
I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise, intelligent, and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. This work of salvation is a work of God in your life. Now listen to what the Lord says to Peter. He says, Peter, your name is Peter. And listen to what he says. And upon this rock I will build my church. Peter's name is actually Simon, but Jesus gave him the moniker of Peter. And Peter means stone, stony, rock. Rocky, if you will. Your name's Rocky. And upon this bedrock, I will build my church. On this, you're a small stone, but on a large stone, I will build my church. It's the first year use of the word church. The word here is the word ecclesia. It means those who are called out. You're called out, called into assembly, called unto salvation. You've been called out of darkness into light, out of death into life, out of hell to heaven. You're called out of despair into hope. You're called out of being estranged to being a son of God. Wow. And I will build my church. That brings us to the point, first point, I can't believe it, first point of the sermon. Number one, I will build my church. He is the founder of the church. It's my church. Get this down, write it down big. The church is, the church is Jesus Christ. He creates it. He purchased it. He brought it into existence, and he has purposes for it. Secondly, he owns it. It's bought by Christ. It, the church is not owned by a denomination. It's not built on a personality. The church isn't owned by the charter members or the committee members or the pastors or the deacons. The church is Jesus Christ. He is head of the church. Amen. He commissions it and he empowers it. It is his church and he has founded it. Secondly, what has he founded it upon? He said, upon this rock I will build my church. What is the foundation of the church? He says, Pete, Rocky, upon this large rock I will build my church. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, our Lord. What does it mean, Petra? It means... He says, what does it mean? Upon this rock, I will build my church. Some have interpreted it as your name's Peter and upon this rock, Petra, I will build my church. And they say, that's it right there. Peter, Peter's the first pope. 
and he's, the church is built on him. But others say, no, what does Petra mean? Upon this rock I will build my church, meaning the disciples? Or what does it mean? Some have said it's the confession of faith itself. Upon this rock I will build my church, the confession that Jesus Christ is Messiah. Maybe what Jesus means at this moment, your name is Rocky, but upon this bedrock I will build my church. It's built on me. It's my church. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11 says, No man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He claims, he says to him in that confession of faith, you are Messiah. What an amazing confession. He says, you are the anointed one. You're the king. You're the promised one that was promised to us. You're the promised one that we've all looked forward to. We have long expected, long anticipated, and long wanted us and the generations before us. We look forward to the coming of Messiah. And you're it. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Your savior, redeemer. You're, you're, you're our everything. You are the promise of God to us. The promise that you gave to David. You are the anointed one. You are Messiah. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God worked in Peter to make such a confession. The church is built by everyone who makes that confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I turn to him, I trust him, and I embrace him as my Savior and Lord. And when that happens, it's a work of God and his spirit in you, and God saves you and makes you become a part of his church. Isn't that amazing? What is the frame of the church? What is the structure of the church? Who makes up the church? We've kind of already talked about it, haven't we? And he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. I will build it. Who's building it? Christ builds it. Some of us have thought, it's my responsibility to build the church. No, you can't build the church. Christ builds the church. Now, how does he do that? With what is he building his church? And how is he building his church? So I'm glad you asked. If you look with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, wouldn't you think that a good place to go for a commentator, for a commentary on what the Lord meant by this might be Peter, the one to whom God spoke to about this. So if you look with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. And as you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built into a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God 
through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone. And a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over, they stumble because they disobey the word. And they were destined for this. He says, I will build my church. And how is he building it? Notice what Peter says in verse number four. He says, you come to him a living stone. Jesus is alive and life is found in him. And when you come to Christ, the living rock, the living stone, even though he's rejected, he's chosen by God and he's honored by God. And there's life found in Jesus Christ and him alone. And when you come to him, you are transformed into a dead rock to a living stone. Amen. And notice what he says, you yourselves, emphatically, verse 5, you, you yourselves, as living stones made alive. You were, you, were, you're, you were just a dumb rock, and now all of a sudden you became a living part of the very church of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? amen. Tell your neighbor, you used to be as dumb as a rock, and now you're a living stone. Amazing. He made you alive. He took your heart of stone and made it a heart of flesh. He took scattered and dry bones and made a mighty army because he raised them up and he filled them with the spirit and made them alive again. You're being built into a spiritual house. This is what he says. Notice in verse number five, you're not only living stones, but he says this temple that Christ is building on himself, as you come to him, you become alive and you're living and this living stone is placed among other stones into a living organism, which is the breathing temple of God, the spirit of God dwelling in his people. And you're being built into a spiritual house, a house where the Holy Spirit is dwelling. And Christ is dwelling in you and the Spirit of God dwells in you. And you're being built as a church into the very temple of God. You've trusted in Him. Notice what it says. You have been made into a priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices Verse number six, it's about Jesus and what you do with him. I lay, in I lay a stone in Zion, chosen, choice, elected, honored cornerstone. And the one who believes in him will not be put to shame. There's no shame when you believe in Jesus Christ. But you become children of God. But notice not everyone believes. The honor will come to you who believe. Verse 7. Now let's stay with me. But the unbelieving, what about them? The stone the builders rejected became the cornerstone. 
and a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. Some people reject Jesus Christ. It becomes a stumbling stone. It's the very word where we get the word scandalous. A stumbling. And what is so scandalous? What is, causes a stumbling? It's the foolishness that's perceived by the preaching of the cross of Christ. The word, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 says, The word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 1.23, But we preach Christ crucified, Amen. a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The church is built on Jesus and the cross, the preaching of the cross of Christ. The church is made up of those who trust Jesus as Lord and believe that he died for our sins and rose again. And those who've turned from sin and surrendered to him as Lord. You were chosen by him. You were called by God. He called you. He chose you. He awakened you out of dead and he made you come alive. He, he, he worked the work of grace in you. He gave you of his Holy Spirit and he has placed you in his church to serve him. It's amazing. Wow. Number four, the function of the church. Notice what Jesus says to Peter, and I give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you, what does he say? Whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. He says, I'm going to build my church, and here I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And he says, whatever you do, these keys that I give you are keys to the kingdom. What you bind on earth will already been bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will already have been loosed in heaven. What does he mean? He says, I'm giving you keys. I'm giving you responsibility. But understand, you're not the one who decides who gets in heaven and who doesn't. Heaven decides who gets into heaven and who doesn't. But you're to go and preach the gospel to everyone who will listen. Keys are a symbol of, of authority, right? Keys. I hate it when I lose my keys. My wife hates it when I lose my keys. That wasn't nice. Keys gives you access, for instance, on this key change is my truck key and this is my house key. I don't know if it works or not. And this is a key to my office. And this is a master key that works in most of the locks here at church. It's a sense of authority. We don't decide who gets into heaven, but we've been given the keys, a responsibility. Now he says, I give you the keys. By giving the keys, what he's saying is, they're not your keys. They're his keys. 
Now, my son-in-law, Andrew Bowen, called me the other day, and he said, can I borrow your truck? I need to do something with it. And I said, sure. And when he came by the house to get my keys, I said, these are my keys to my truck. And if you want to drive it, it's got junk in the back bed that you need to go get rid of. And he kept it for a few hours, maybe a day, and they brought it back, and he made a point of saying, here's your keys to your truck. You've been given a ministry. You've been given a ministry, and it's a stewardship from Almighty God, and it's a stewardship that impacts heaven. It's a stewardship that you're responsible and will give an account to about what you're doing with the ministry God has given you. You have been saved for a purpose. You've been bought with a price. You're to glorify God in your body and in your life. We've been given the awesome responsibility. We don't decide who gets into heaven, but we're to take this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and we're to preach it to everyone who will listen. We're to proclaim Jesus Christ. God's son came because God loved you. And Christ Jesus was the very son of God, lived a perfect life, fulfilled the law of God. And Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross. And he bore all of your sins and all of mine. And he was laid in a tomb, but he rose again victoriously. And he'll give life to all who put their faith in him. And when you preach that simple gospel message, the Spirit of God takes the keys and opens people to life. But some people hear it and they reject it and they stumble. But we preach the truth. God's given you this great and wonderful responsibility. So often we play at church. Amen. We're making it all about me. When did church become about me? My comfort, my likes, my dislikes, my feelings. I don't feel the Holy Spirit here. I don't feel Jesus is here. Well, your feeling has nothing to do with it. Let me tell you something. Where two or three are together, together, he's there in their midst. And the Spirit of God saved you. The Spirit of God's working in you. The Spirit of God has placed you into a living temple. And you are worshiping God in the Spirit. I'm telling you what, God's at work among us. The church is not a building, it's not a place, it's not a social club. But it's made up of God's people. Not perfect, but declared right in Christ. We are gathered by Christ, we're called by the Holy Spirit, we're blood-bought, born again, heaven-bound citizens of heaven. 
We're sons and daughters. And we're living stones filled with the Holy Spirit. You're the pearl of great price. Jesus gave his very all to purchase you. He did it just for the very joy of owning you. Of purchasing you. You add no value to him. He adds all the value to you. The value of the pearl is found in the price paid for it. And Christ purchased you with his own precious blood. Man. In the function of the church. Look with me again to 1 Peter chapter 2. And verse number 5. We'll have to hurry. But you as living stones, a spiritual house, are built into a holy priesthood. Let's stop there for right one minute. You know how you're to function in the life of his church? Number one, you're called to be a priest. Tell your neighbor, you're a priest. Ah, oh, you're struggling with that. Tell them, you're a priest. You're a priest. You're a holy priesthood. That means that you worship God in holy reverence. You have holy awe. You go into the very holy of holies through Jesus Christ, our high priest. You as a priest are to offer spiritual, spiritual sacrifices of worship. And when you gather with God's people, you are a spiritual house. You're built into a spiritual priesthood. You offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That means that you are not only a priest, but you are a worshiper. You worship God. You sing. You use your words. You use your service. And you, 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 you worship and you give him what is acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. An acceptable offering is not the calls. It's not the leftovers. It's not the hand-me-downs. If I tell Christy... I think I'm going to go up to Goodwill and drop some stuff off. She doesn't think that I'm going to go to Dillard's and buy some stuff and take it to Goodwill. You know what I take to Goodwill? I take to Goodwill the stuff that I don't need anymore. Actually, it's the stuff I don't even think I could sell at the yard sale that I take to Goodwill. And we want to unload our closet and take it to the goodwill because we don't have any use for it anymore. And that's the way some people see their acts of worship. It's something that's left over, that's not important, that doesn't cost you anything. Something I don't need anyway. That's not an offering that's pleasing unto God. Give him your best. Give him your life. A priest is to represent God to man and man to God. A priest is to bear the tribes of others on his shoulders and his breastplate. A priest enters in and intercedes for others. A priest is not all about himself, but he cares about the glory of God. God has called you to be a worshiper. He's called you to be an ambassador. In verse number 9, listen to what it says. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. There it is again. A holy nation, a people for his own possession. So that, purpose clause, 
you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're an ambassador. You're a representative. You're a mouthpiece. You're a spokesman. You're a testifier to the goodness and the grace of God. A testifier to God's great love. A testifier to how Jesus Christ changed your life. You're to testify to a broken world that there's healing found in Jesus Christ. You're called to proclaim the excellencies of him, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into light. You are not a spectator. You're not a critic. You're God's people. You're a body part. You're put together in the body of Christ. And he's the head. And he's placed us each in the body as he approved. He's given us of his Holy Spirit. He's gifted us to serve. It's time for the church to wake up and be the church of Jesus Christ. You're to be a part of a church where we love one another, where we read the word together, where we pray together, where we care for each other, where we love one another, where we laugh with each other, amen? Where we cry with one another, where we break bread together, where we sing together, where we proclaim Jesus and testify to his goodness. And they will know we are Christians by our love. We see our church as a family. But let me pause here for a second. You don't leave your family just because things aren't exactly the way you want them to be. You don't leave your family because things aren't just the way you want them to be. You don't leave your family and your marriage. You're in a relationship in your family. You're a family. You love your family, you love your children, you love your wife. Do my kids do everything I like? Heck no. Do I still love them? Yes. Do they love everything I do? No. But they love me. We don't burn relationships, we pray for each other. Well, I'm just not feeling it. I thought, what is that? What is that? It's not what it means to be a church. This is what you do. Find a church, join it, and stay a member for 80 years. I got 40 more to go. Anyway, make it a part of your life. I had pastors say to me, why did you stay so long? Why would I leave? I could have gone many times. You don't think people ever ask me to come and be their pastor? Many times. Why am I still here? Because I just wondered, what would it be like to say, I'm going to put my roots down in one church and be a part of those people. And this, you've never one day woke up and think, will our shepherd leave us today? You might have wanted him to leave you, but... And you love me with all my warts and all, and I got plenty of them. And I love you, and you you got plenty of them too. And we're a family. 
And what does the gospel mean other than we live out life with each other? And then the families where you learn to forgive each other and we struggle with tensions and we learn to love people that aren't even always the lovely and we learn to sympathize with each other and suffer with one another and grieve with one another and let people speak into your life when it's not always comfortable and you get to speak into others' lives. And we listen to God's voice together. And we're the family of God. If you move and have to go somewhere to another city, then find another local church and you get involved. But we don't church shop and hop. That's a foreign idea. Jesus promises victory to his church. He says to Peter, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. He says, I'm telling you, there will be victory. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades, of hell, of death will not prevail against it. That is not the idea that hell is advancing against the church and the church weathers it. It's just the opposite. Hell is barricaded behind gates and the church is advancing, preaching the gospel and tearing down the walls and seeing captives released. This is the church of Jesus Christ. The church global, the church local. Now, a local expression of God's people, if they obey him, will be vibrant. But if we disobey, as it tells us in Revelation chapter 2, in those seven churches following, you can lose your place. But the church of Jesus Christ will not go backward. It will go forward into victory. Amen. You know the hymn, maybe. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. And with his own blood he bought her. And for her life he died. Elect from every nation, yet one or all the earth. Her charter of salvation, one Lord, one faith, one birth, one holy name she blesses, partakes one holy food. And to one hope she presses with every grace endued. Mid toil and tribulation and tumult of her war, she waits the consummation of peace forevermore 
Till with the vision glorious, her longing eyes are blessed, and the great church victorious shall be the church at rest. Let's work till Jesus comes. Amen. Amen. Our takeaways today, quickly, have you confessed Jesus Christ as Lord? Are you living a life that honors Christ? Are you serving the Lord in the life of his church? What is God calling you to do? Are you loyal to his church? Father in heaven, thank you for this sweet time of fellowship and the powerful impact of your word. Thank you that we're a part of your church, the bride of Christ, your body, your temple, your people. In Jesus' name, amen.